Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church, Sturgis, Mississippi. Today, you will hear Dr. Jeremy McCory teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, The Servant. May this sermon encourage you to make God and His Word the foundation for your life. All right, y'all, we'll be in uh, chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians this morning. Chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians this morning. And we'll be looking at the character of a servant. So, you notice uh, what servanthood means. Servanthood means serving someone else. It means that you are looking at others' interests above your own. Serving others means that you begin to understand that there's more to the world than what we are. It's, it's those around us. So, so looking at that today, we're going to look not only as servants of Christ and what we are to do, but also we're going to look at the fact that the Lord is the one who examines you and I. And, and I think about it like this. Many of us can go around to one another and we can act as if everything's great. We can act as if the world's falling apart. We can act as if, you know, things are the worst they've ever been. And then we can say that to the world around us and, and put up this front, right? We can make the world understand or see what we think. But what does God see? He sees through all of that, right? He sees directly to the heart of mankind. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows where we have scars. He knows what we've been through. And likewise, He knows when we are living as we ought to live. So, so while we might be great at saying everything is good to others, He sees our heart and He sees us. And, and in the midst of that, there are very much some characteristics or or the character i guess of a servant as we see this let's look at verse one in chapter four it says let a man regard us in this manner as servants of christ and stewards of the mysteries of god in this case moreover it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy but to me it is a very small thing that I may be examined by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even examine myself. Verse 4, For I am conscious of nothing against myself, yet I am not by this acquitted, but the Lord is the one who examines me. So, the Lord is the one who examines us. The Lord is the one who sees our faults our deficiencies, our sins, all those things which we try to rationalize that we do, right? God sees it all. He sees that, but He is the one who examines us. He is the one, therefore, who can pass judgment on us. Because while we might have intentions in how we live, God sees the real motivation behind us, doesn't He? He sees what we really are about, right? He sees the insides of us and sees who we desire to be. It says, therefore, and so it says in verse 5, Do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motive of man's heart 
And then each man's praise will come to him from God. So we try to hide things. We try to keep things. We try to not just be so transparent with others. We tell people what they need to know or what we want them to know, don't we? We don't always tell people the entire story. But God sees it all, doesn't He? He sees the real us. He sees everything. And so God is going to come in our own lives, and He's going to be the one who is able to render judgment. He's able to render judgment primarily because He gave us life, and He loves us despite all of those things in our lives which we've done. God loves us. And I will share to you this morning, if you cannot be totally honest with anyone, anywhere, be honest with God. Because He sees you, and He loves you. And His motive is to work to restore you to His glory, to His good. So He has a pure motive, and oftentimes we're wondering what others might think around us, We ought to be worried about how God is going to see the way we live, our heart. And it's important for us to know that God is the one who sees that. So so what happens when, when He sees our heart? Does that give us the disposition to then exalt His name? When God would look at you today, and if God were to examine you today, and and we were to put up your life and all the things on a board like this, would you say that God would be proud of what He found? Or would you say, God, I'm going to praise you no matter what. God, I'm going to praise you, and I'm going to lift your name up, and I'm going to sing your praises. Or would you be a little bit worried if I had all of the things up right now? the things on your heart, the things which you've tried to remain hidden, the things which you are holding back from doing that which God... Because if God can judge, then God sees all of those things in a crystal clear fashion because nothing is hidden from God. So we are to be examples. We are to be ones who give that example. So let's look at verses 6-8. through It says this, Not that we're superior to others, but it lends us to look and... In, in a non-arrogant kind of manner, it says this in verse 6. It says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively applied to myself and Apollos for your sake, so that in us you may learn not to exceed that is written, what is written, so that no one of you will become arrogant in behalf of one against the other. For who regards you as superior? Who do you have that did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? See, it takes it a little bit further. Verse 8 talks about this richness. It says, you are already filled. You have become rich. You have become kings without us. And indeed, I wish you had become kings become kings, so that we also might reign with you. So, We are rich. We have a kingship that is not of this world. We have an inheritance that is not of this world. We must understand that you and I are not superior to one another, that we are all walking through this life. And we all have similar hang-ups and things we go through. And we like to think that what we go through, it's not as bad as others sometimes. Or we think that what we're going through is more tough than others. 
But what was demonstrated this past week in revival is that we need each other. Amen? Y'all, we can't go through life alone. This life was not created that we be by ourselves. I always say the Lone Ranger had Tonto. We need others, right? We can't do this by ourselves. We need friends in Christ. We need family in Christ. We need one another to help us. So when we're in need, we're surrounded, right? By the people who care for us the most and want the best for us. But when they're in need, then they're surrounded by the same thing. We often feel like we can't share our burdens or can't share what's going on with us. But I'm telling you, when you're open and honest, you really find a number of things out. You find that others struggle just like you, right? But even greater still, you find that others want to pray and lift you up to a God who can. who A God who sees our heart and sees all of us and provides people in our lives that know what to say. Because He's already spoken it to them. Have you ever ran into somebody, maybe they don't know exactly what's going on with you, but they, they know something's wrong? And so they come up to you and they say, well, I feel like I need to tell you this, or I feel like I've been praying this, or the Lord has laid on my heart this, and then you are kind of like this. You're kind of like, have you been looking over my shoulder? Do you read into my life? Do you see and somehow into what's going on in my home? Do you know what I've been struggling through? How do you know those things? That's because we need each other. That's because God uses others sometime to get through to us. That means that when we tell others, it's not to tell others to, to say, I wonder what they'll think. It's to tell others because they are here and you and I are here to love others as Christ first loved us. And so part of doing that is surrounding others in need and being there for one another. And the richness that you and I have is in our faith in God. Some of us might say this, I don't have a lot of monetary means, and my house is not as big as I'd like for it to be, and all these other things. But when we are in Christ, we are rich beyond measure because we have all that we'll ever need. So, so we think about this. What happens to servants? What happens to those who serve the Lord? They might lose their life for His sake. Verse 9 says this, For I think God has exhibited us as apostles, last of all, as man condemned to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are prudent in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are without honor. To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and poorly clothed and are roughly treated, and we are homeless and we toil, working with our own hands when we are revealed and we are blessed. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to consolate. When we have become as scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. This doesn't sound like something you want to sign up for, does it? It's like somebody trying to discourage you from signing up for something, but it's really like this. It's not always good when we're walking through living for Christ, but God is always good. Amen? 
There are things that we walk through, valleys and, and times in our life we walk through. And, and, and yes, if we are Christ followers and Christians and believers in Him, then yes, we are going to go through persecutions in this world. Yes, we are going to stand out for His sake. Yes, we are going to endure much for His name. And it's so that others might encounter Jesus Christ for themselves, but also in the sharing of one another's burdens, we don't set a ceiling of perfection before us. Some of us feel like we got to have it all together and nothing ever goes wrong. Well, if you're on the outside looking in, you might be saying the Christ-like life is perfection and nothing ever goes wrong to them. But in reality, you and I deal with the things of this world in a different manner. We go to the Lord. But we also understand that things of this world are going to happen. We're going to go through sickness, sorrow, loss, temptation, difficulties, anxiety, depression, setbacks, loss, divorce. We're going to go through the pains of all of these things. We're going to deal with those things, and that's why we have to be transparent to others and understand where our help comes from and who is there in our lives. So we give this example of the fact that that when we're at our weakest point, God is at His strongest point. When we are transparent with others, we give a real picture of what it's like to be a Christ follower to the world around us. I have more uh, questions than I have answers a lot of times. And maybe that's just me. I don't think it is. But there's things we go through in life and we we, we have these grand questions and we have these grand things that we go through and the world around us is looking and see, okay, they say they're Christians, they live this certain way, but watch what happens when they go through something. Let's see what's going to happen in their lives. Let's see what's going to be done. Let's see how they're going to respond to this. If they are a Christ follower, are they going to do anything different than I do things? Are they going to admit their faults when they fall? Are they going to come and and be transparent when they're having a terrible day? Because I want to be honest with you. There are days that are terrible and I don't want to get up. There are days that I go through and I'm just begrudgingly walking through the day. There are times where I'm sick and I don't feel like it. There are times when all of these things and more that I go through things in life when there's a loss and there's no answers. There's a lot of things I go through. So I think as as believers in Christ, we have to admit those things within our own lives. But also in the admission of that, when we are at our weakest, God is at His strongest. We turn that and we say, you know what? I am going through these things. But I believe in a God who can do all things. So while we're transparent, we're still saying, but God. It's not a transparency with the world to say, I identify with everything that you have, and man is getting bad. It's to say, but God, in His goodness and His mercy, meets me at my greatest sorrow, and He walks with me. That in the midst of my greatest temptation, God is there. I find that when we are transparent with the world around us, they begin to see His holiness in us. I mean this. We've got to stop telling people we're good when we're not so good. And we've got to tell people how to pray for us 
and what to pray for us. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, my, the older I get, the more specific my prayers get. When you're little, it's, it's very much, I just want God to be good, right? But when you get older, you said, well, you know, this leg's hurting and this kneecap's hurting. God help me to walk today. You know, you start getting a little more specific. Well, God, I got a doctor's visit this week, and I'm scared to death of what they might say. Or you get real specific in your life with, let me pray for my brother and sister who lost a loved one specifically. See, coming to God specifically is not overburdening God. It is saying, God, at my weakest point, God, I need you. And I want to tell you everything I need you. And so we look at this and we see this. Do we have the motivation towards others? Do we have the motivation towards others that we are, no matter what the cost, going to do what we have to do when we are talked about when we're discarded when we're hungry when we're thirsty when we're homeless when we when we're persecuted we endure when we're slandered we don't try to come back with something but we live for Christ and so what is the purpose behind all of these things what is the purpose this listed here verse 14 says this it lends us to be imitators verse 14 and so imitators i write these things to you i do not write these things to you to shame you but to admonish you as my beloved children what does it mean to admonish someone that means biblically that god is wanting you to do better next time i don't know about you i don't always know exactly what to do right every time and i know most of the guys in here could say amen all right, we're in church. You can do that. Uh, we don't know what to do right every time. So that means what? That means what? That sometimes we have to get admonished, right? And we have to know that the Father in heaven loves us. It doesn't change His love for us. Is that He wants us to be better for Him in order that He might have more of us. For we look at this scripture and we begin to see that, that He is the ultimate example of servanthood. We look to Jesus and we see people like Paul and we see people like us. And then if we're imitators of those within the biblical landscape that were doing things right, but not perfect for the glory of God, then what, are, what will our example be? then we too will look to serve others. And in serving them, we give them an example and a method to follow so that they too will serve other people. I think back years ago, there was a, there was a story told to me uh, about a director of missions. And, and, and it was even, even a little bit further along. It was someone who, who, who had a direct influence on a group of people and he invited these men over to his house for a steak. Now, how many of you, if I said, I want to invite you over to my house for a steak, would you say, uh-uh? Most of you, would that would pique your interest, right? So he invited these men over to his house for a steak. And he prepared it in the best way he could and, and did all of the things which were his specialty to make it just taste beyond good. I mean, you just cut into that thing. It was the perfect color. It was the perfect taste. And so these men wanted to know, 
How did you make that steak? How did you fix it? What all went into it? And as he told them that recipe, as he showed them how to cook that steak, later on, what did they do for others? They cooked them a steak, right? They showed them how it is supposed to go. Now that example was meant to tell you is that you and I must be ones who look to others to tell them how to find Christ in their life, lead them and give them an example how to serve others, how to grow in Christ, but also what? So that that person might replicate and do the same thing. So let's look at these verses here, and let's see what it says here as we look, not only in verse 14 where we were, but verse 15. For you have count. Countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. For this reason I have sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So, He's giving them an example of how to follow, of who to follow, and putting Timothy right before them. And so, verse 18, Now some have become arrogant, as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. So, the kingdom of God... The kingdom of God. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. What you desire, shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? See, there's, there's an understanding of re- receptivity to the gospel. People's receptivity to the gospel is directly tied to the fruit, I believe, that we bear. But even greater still, the devotion to Jesus Christ within us. See, you and I are meant to be examples of Christ. Amen? We are meant to be ones who are worth following, not for us, but for Christ in us. In other words, it's not look at Brother Jeremy and what he's doing, it's look at what Christ is doing in me. It's not look how great and strong but look how weak and needy I am of God in my life. It's at my my greatest point is also my weakest point because that's where God is at His best in me. And if, if I ever reach a point where I feel like I have all the answers, then that's the point of humility where God says, No, you don't. I do. Come to me. If you're burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest right God says everything that we need is in him so so there's there's several things that this this whole text has us to answer or ask this morning the first question is and I know it hits for all of us have we ever felt judged by someone we ever felt judged by someone, whether we feel like it is a, a just depiction of what, what we are actually doing or it is something that is not correctly depicted in our life, so therefore we have been misjudged. Whatever it is, do we, have we ever felt that? I think we've all felt that. 
But we can look at the scripture today and we can see that and we can rest assured what? That, that God is the only one who can adequately judge us because God sees the heart, the motives, whereas all of us see the outside deed or the word. But also there's a flip side of this too. Sometimes feeling judged by someone or some group is actually a defense mechanism for us to avoid addressing a particular convicting issue in our lives. Yes, I went there. I went right around there and said that. Because sometimes we come in and we're like, well, I'm not going to that place because they're going to judge me. No, you're not going to that place sometimes because you don't want to encounter the Lord who is going to convict you of what you're doing and you don't want to change. Sometimes we need to be honest. Yes, there is sometimes where we go places and people have judged us unfairly. And I'm not saying that's right, but there's also, on the other hand, the times that we're trying to avoid doing what's right and coming before the Lord as we ought to so that He might convict us of our wrongs and He might do something in our lives. So let's think about it in totality. Let's just don't think one-dimensional. Let's think about it and let's be real because I feel like we can be real with each other that sometimes we need to understand what this is all about. Secondly, we look at this and, and we are to be imitators or we're to be modeling after something. And we think about modeling and we think about patterning and being an imitator. Have we ever patterned our lives, our actions after someone of another person? And how did that work out for you? We like to pattern ourselves about other people. Maybe we wanted to be a sports athlete, or maybe we wanted to be patterned after somebody's business structure or their example. And, and the reality behind all of this is, is that we'll never quite be the same as they were because of what? Because we're all different and unique, right? Years ago, there came out a book that was The Purpose Driven Life, and I think every single church at that time tried to mimic that. But the reality behind that, there was a little statement in there, and, uh, and I don't remember it exactly, but it said something like, this won't work exactly for your church. That you need to understand your church, what they're going through, and take some of the principles, yes, they still apply. But it won't provide the same thing. We must model after Him. Our model has to become the characteristics of Christ and a relationship of, with Him that is worth imitating. How many of you are worth imitating? Because you are following that close to God. I want you to understand that, that there's always somebody looking at you and me. If we are a Christ follower, we are a beacon that others are going to look at, whether we believe it or not. You might say, well, nobody pays attention to me. There's at least one that pays attention to you. Well, nobody knows where I go when I'm not at church. Yeah, they do. And no, they shouldn't be worried about you. They should be worried more about God. But yeah, they do know where you go when you're not at church. Because if you say, I am a Christ follower, it brings that light right in on you. And you 
must choose to examine yourself in Christ and allow for Him to make sure that the light on you is pointing to Him. So our life has to be modeled after Christ in us. So, so in imitation, we have to seek to grow more in Christ and be more devoted as a disciple. Are you more like Christ today than when you first accepted Christ? Because some of us are like this. We say, I know Christ. I've punched my ticket and I'm going to heaven. I'm good. Don't we? Well, I do good enough, right? I come to church occasionally. I talk to people occasionally. I call people but is it enough? Are we doing what it takes to grow in Christ so that we might be effective for Christ in this world, so that we might serve others and their needs greater than mine? Because if Christ is not having His best in me, then I am not serving my best for Him. And here's the reality behind this too. Do you and I serve rather than always having to be served? Do we seek this growth and helping others grow too? See, there's, there's a steadfastness and perseverance that leads to kingdom growth. You know, I, th I think what I'm really looking for today in this idea of servanthood is will we choose to run the race with endurance that is set before us? Because it's easy to say when we're here and we're gathered around one another, Amen, brother! It's even harder to say it when we go out there and we encounter a world that doesn't see Christ, doesn't believe in Christ, doesn't live for Christ, doesn't care for Christ. In fact, they say today most people aren't even worried about Jesus Christ. So it stands for you and I as we are servants of the Most High God and we are imitating our lives after Him that when we walk out into the world, the world around us ought to take notice because they ought to see the difference He has made in us. They ought to see that we are serving, and as we serve, it is Christ in me. It's not me. It's Christ in me. So I want you to ask yourself this morning, as this all wraps up, with clarity, do you have the characteristics of a servant that you ought to have? If they are Christ's characteristics, if the Lord examines and judges us, and if He is the example that we look to, do we live in such an authentic manner that we say, yes, we struggle, yes, we go through life, and it's going to be difficult? But to God be the glory, amen? Whatever comes our way, you and I can endure and persevere if we are holding to a God who can. See, there's days I can't, but God can. There's days I don't feel loved, but God loves me. 
There's days that I struggle and I fall on my face because it's God who's going to be able to make it through that day in my life. There are times which you and I struggle and I have no answers, but God does. There are times that we go through life and tears and snot bubbles are the best we can put out. And you know what I'm talking about. Life's not always easy. But the love of God endures forever. And so, not only are we to grow in Christ, but we are to serve others. Help them grow in Christ so then they, they can tell others later how to do that. We can live in a faithless and perverse generation as we do. And yet we can make a difference for Christ where we are. It's not hopeless as long as we have Christ in us. Amen. So let's go to God in prayer this morning. Father God, we come to you on this day. Father God, we come to you so many days. And God, we're reminded that we need you, God. God, we need you more than anything now. More than everything that we are, God, we need you. Father, you remind us that we are to serve others, but God, in doing so, God, we got to make sure that we are following you. Heavenly Father, it's not like being a carbon copy of somebody else human on this earth. God, it is being a, a follower of you, a humble follower who admits we have faults, shortcomings, hurts, hang-ups, habits. And God, we need you more than anything. God, we need you more than anything else, more than, more than prestige, more than accolades. God, more than money, more than food. We, God, we need you. God, more than anything in this world that we can walk through, God, we need to make sure that we are holding your hand. God, I pray this morning, God, if we are here and we don't know you as Lord and Savior, if we're in this world flailing like a fish on the shore, Father, you will be our oxygen. You'll be everything that we need to live. So God, I pray in this world that people understand that there is but one way. And you have showed us that one way through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this morning if there's someone here that needs to know you as Lord and Savior, God, I pray today is that day. God, I pray for the many of us who have that title of Christian on us. God, that we think about the example that we live and who we serve each and every day. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that we are an authentic example of your grace and mercy to a world that is dark and dismal. Heavenly Father, God, I pray unto today, God, if we have presented anything shorter than that, God, God, I pray that we seek forgiveness for you and from you alone. Father God, you come to us daily and you meet with us continually, God, because we need you every second of every day. So God, I pray that we look to you before we look anywhere else and we allow for your word to be written on our hearts so that in all we do, God, we turn everything to you. God, just continue to work in and through us for your goal, for your purpose as we run this race. It's in your mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have. 
and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.